So faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I, by my works, will show you my faith. This is the word of God for the people of God. While I was serving as a pastor in Enid, Oklahoma, I was invited to a banquet. They were honoring a fellow who had grown up in Enid, been a very smart young man, graduated top of his class, and then gone on to reach great heights in his chosen profession. He was being given an award by the public school system. I was there to say the prayer. I did not know him, but I learned about him because during the evening, once he got his award, he told several formational stories, things that had shaped his life, that had happened to him while he was in Enid. One of them involved his senior high math teacher who happened to be a Methodist. She was a woman in my church. So I listened very closely as he told this story. He said, I was a senior in high school, very athletic, captain of this, captain of that, top of the class academically. I thought I pretty well run, was running the school. I was somewhat cocky. I made straight A's. And then one day when Mrs. Adams was turning the papers back to us, mine had a B on it. And she handed me the paper, and I looked at it, and I looked at her. And she said, what do you think? And he thought about it a minute, and then he says, a cocky senior, he said, ah, not bad. And she said, not bad, but not good enough, because you know you can do better. And he said he thought about that over and over throughout his life. Was he just doing not bad or was he giving his very best? Sometimes when I read a scripture like this or another part of the gospel, it causes me to think about my life as a disciple of Christ. And it's pretty easy to say, not bad, I'm doing all right. But I probably should ask the further question, am I giving my very best? Am I doing my very best as a disciple of Jesus Christ? Is my faith alive or is it not? John Wesley asked himself those kind of questions throughout his life. He was a scholar. He was a questioner. He liked to analyze and examine things. And he looked at his life over and over again to make sure that he was doing all that he could in responding to the call of God and being a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. There's one story that's told about him where he said to a group of people, if I die with more than 10 pounds, that is a little bit of British money, if I die with more than 10 pounds, then you bear witness to the whole world that I lived and died a thief and a robber. Pretty strong. He thought that his resources were not just given to him by God for himself, but he was to share them with others. And if he had not, then he had not followed what God had called him to do. It stretches you to think about things like that. Wesley had a way to stretch people, to challenge them, to encourage them to go deeper in their discipleship, to grow as a disciple throughout their whole life. Does the gospel ever cause you to reflect, to assess, to examine how you're doing as a disciple? Wesley believed theology 
is something we do. That faith and good works go together. Modern writers have said love is a verb. Wesley didn't write that, but he lived that. He believed love and action was a very important part of personal salvation, of coming to faith, of being a follower of Jesus Christ. He believed that it was important as a disciple of Christ to be attentive to the needs of those around him, to be attentive to the needs of the poor and others that might need some assistance in one way or another. Our book of discipline, which is our guidebook, even today for United Methodists, reflects this kind of importance in terms of making sure that we're living actively the love of God. Listen to what is written there. We see God's grace and human activity working together in the relationship of faith and good works. God's grace calls forth human response and discipline, both faith and good works belong within an all-encompassing theology of grace since they stem from God's gracious love shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. It goes on to say, we, that is United Methodist, insist that personal salvation always involves Christian mission and service to the world. Love of God is always linked with love of neighbor, a passion for justice and renewal in the life of the world. That goes right along with our theme from James that we just read this morning. Now, Martin Luther was a great reformer. We see him as the founder of the Protestant Reformation, of which we are heirs. But when it came to this book of James, of which we've read, he didn't care for it. He wrote at one time that it's an epistle of straw. That is, it's not worth very much. He even said it would be all right with him if it wasn't in the Bible, that if he were choosing, he would leave it out. He was very focused on faith alone as a response to God. But Wesley understood that a little bit differently. Oh, he believed in faith, but he wanted to make sure that we understood that once we receive God's love or have faith in Christ, that it calls us to do something. It's not only having faith, but how we live out our faith that's so very important. He wanted us to look at the fruits of our faith, to see if faith and good works were in a balance. That's the theological balance that Wesley leaves us as a great heritage to make sure we think about both of those. We've been talking about Methodist theology all month. We started with this idea of our belief that we are saved by grace through faith i hope you have that memorized i hope that's burned into your heart that we start with god's love for us god's offered his love to us before we do anything it's unconditional love and then we get to respond to that in faith or trust in god through christ then last week we began to talk about this emphasis that wesley had of the ceaseless working of god's love in our lives which leads us as United Methodists, to emphasize real changes in our living, which Wesley said equals being born again. That this whole idea of spiritual rebirth or being born again or born from above is most clearly seen when the love of God that we know we have received in Christ issues forth in good works for others. 
Not that we're earning our salvation, but as a result of experience of salvation, we want to share God's love. We want to serve someone else. We want to help somebody in need. I further pointed out to you last week that this emphasis on God's love working in our lives led Wesley to prioritize love in action over doctrine or proper thinking. We ended with that quote from him that as Methodists we think and let think and insist on nothing but faith working by love. It's the same theme that is sounded in our text from James today. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works. And I, by my works, will show you my faith. I saw a great example of that this week. On Tuesday morning, I went over to the Assistance League of Tulsa. They have what they call Operation School Bell. You may have heard about it. Reverend Evenry Campbell invited me to go and meet with some of our other Methodist lay people. Paula Gradney Garner on our staff went. We went over there. Lots of United Methodist women that were there. And I had heard of this Operation School Bell for years, but I had never gone personally to serve. It is an operation to provide things for children as they begin the school year that they really need, like clothes, school uniforms, some books, a health kit. For those who need a little extra help, this Operation School Bell is there. They're identified in their schools, but the statistics are pretty overwhelming. They assist over 2,000 children every year from some 81 of our schools in the area. It takes a budget of about a half a million dollars. They raise about $500,000 a year to provide for these children the things they need to enrich their learning experience. Our job, once we got there, was to be sort of their personal shopping assistant, their companion as they went through the aisles. They had a little checklist that they gave to us to make sure the child got the things they needed. So sure enough, the bus from Burroughs Elementary pulled up. That's why we were there. Our partner school had kids coming that morning. We saw them. We greeted them. Some of them recognized us from being at their school in other years. One little fellow said, oh, I remember you from last year. I had taught in his class one day. I remembered him too. So we had a great conversation. But you wouldn't believe how excited they were as we went up and down the aisles and they got to pick out new jeans and new uniforms. One little fellow that I was working with pointed to the shoes he had on. He said, I picked these out last year when I was shopping here. He was still wearing them. He was so proud of that. Oh, but there were racks of brand new colorful tennis shoes. He got to choose a new pair a little bit bigger this year. So he'd be ready to go throughout the school year. It was a fantastic experience just to be able to walk along beside them and help them pick out the things they needed, make sure they got their bag full of everything that they needed that day. But what a wonderful witness these folks from across Tulsa and the Assistance League are doing year after year to provide for children that really do just need a little assistance. I think if John Wesley would have been there, he would have recognized them as Methodists. They were putting faith and good works together. It's an important understanding that we have as United Methodists that not only are we saved by grace through faith, but we're called to respond and to act and to live the love that we've come to know. One of my seminary professors writes about a time when he was a student pastor. 
He was pastoring a small church. One of the women in his church said, there's a lady that's in real trouble out in the country. We need to help her. He said, okay. She took him out there. He met her. Then he went back to the church. She was in real trouble. She had experienced lots of tragedy in her life. She was now aging. She was not living very well. She, he said, well, really, she was living in squalor. She needed some help. He began to talk to different people in the church. They were reluctant. They didn't really want to help. He kept asking one after another, but really no takers. He said finally he got so frustrated that he decided he was going to write a sermon about this. He wrote a sermon for the next Sunday. I put the title in your outline. He said the title was, The Problem with Your Neighbor is You. He said what he did in about 20 minutes was to find about six different ways to say, if you have a neighbor in need and you have a problem with them, that's your problem. As a Christian, you need to be ready to respond. He said when people filed out of church that Sunday, it was very quiet. Not so many wanted to shake his hand. He thought, maybe that's my last Sunday at this church. But he came back the next weekend, and the one woman who had called him to this task was waiting for him when he got to the church. And she said, you're never going to guess what has happened. These folks have rallied. They've gone out there and moved her to a new house. It is beautiful. It is clean. It is ready to go. They've gone to the grocery store and set up a line of credit so that she can have groceries. We're going to take care of her. We're going to support her in the ways that she needs. In fact, we've invited her to come to church. And she did. She began to come to, came to church with them. And he said it was all going great. She'd been coming for several weeks. And then she had a bowel accident one Sunday morning right in the middle of the service. He said it was terrible. It was embarrassing. It was humiliating. Made everybody uncomfortable. He said, I began to think this could be it for me. They gave it a good try, but they don't want this in their church. But he said he was so surprised when one of the men that he had talked to earlier who did not want to help came by and said to him, don't worry about it. Don't worry about her. She is ours. We know that now. We will.